Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the TJL Podcast. As always, this is your host, Tyler Lathel, and today I'll be joined by uh, a new face to the podcast. It's uh, Colin Mitchell, former um, former coworker of mine and mentor. So um, I met Colin when I first started working uh, with the Make and Mayhem hockey team of the Southern Professional Hockey League, and uh, Colin was like a – I guess you could call him a, a bit of a veteran in the front office. The dude had been there for a long time, so he was – teaching me the ropes and everything. And, um, as of recently, he's, uh, he's gotten married and, uh, they, him and his wife have moved to, uh, Virginia and, uh, he's just started up a whole new life there, but it's, it's good to uh, connect back with him again. How's it going, Colin? Hey Tyler, thanks for having me. It's a, uh, it's been a blast up here in Virginia, but I'm glad I'm be able to talk to you. I've been listening to some of the stuff that you've been putting out and it's been really, really cool and really exciting to, uh, to follow you and follow what you've been doing. So thanks for having me on and I'm excited about, uh, talking to you some more today yeah yeah th- well thanks um i appreciate you listening in man and it's like i said it's a pleasure to have you on so i know that we were talking about so we're, we're going to mainly focus in uh today on um, the nfc west we're going to be breaking down this division going team by team and looking at the additions the departures uh from each team and just kind of uh we're, we're going to predict how we think it's going to shake out who we think is going to be the lead dog coming out of this division and who we think can challenge for like a wild card spot, especially now with uh, the way playoff pictures looks now in the NFL, like there's going to be like an extra team on each, um, in each division or each, um, each, you know, uh, conference in the NFL that'll, that'll be breaking in. So we'll do that. But uh, to begin with, I know that we wanted to talk a little bit uh, about hockey a little bit, since I don't talk about it enough, even though I do uh, work with the hockey team. Um, So like, that's the only team I really watch. I don't, I don't really, I, I can watch NHL a little bit here and there, but, I don't know, man. I just I find it hard um, watching it. Uh, it's it's one thing to watch it in person. It's another thing to watch it on TV. I love watching it in person, though. But uh, were you able to keep up with the team much this season? I was. I uh, saw that it was hit and, hit and miss, up and down. Uh-huh. But I managed to make it to a few games this season. Uh, yeah. Come back and see some of the players. A lot of new faces, um, mm-hmm. the mayhem, and throughout the throughout the league and everything as well. Um, but it was tough just with this corona, um, this whole situation where we didn't really get to finish the season, um, kind of had to leave everything at a, at a pause. But I know we were trending on the right track, uh, started to put some wins together. So that was pretty exciting to see um, Coach Ryan Michael getting uh, everything squared away and set up and excited to him to see his opportunity and to get, watch him continue to grow and get that team to a point where it can be competitive and to continue to win. I always am going to cheer for the mayhem. That was my first job and I still only job in, in sports. So uh, definitely something that I'm going to keep an eye on and keep following um, as long as, as long as I can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it was a bit of a rough road. I mean, we, like you said, you know, we started off pretty rough, you know, then we had to the, the firing of, of Leo um, at coach and then Mike's taking over. So that was cool, especially um, when Mike's took over, you know, uh, stringing together some wins there really had some momentum, like you said, you know, before the season ended and everything. And um, man, it's been, it's been fun like watching him kind of grow up in that role. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, you can tell he's like learning stuff, you know, constantly all the time, but um, he's really starting to put some stuff together. I know that, um, you know, you know, Mike's and how, um, you know, how smart he is with the game. I mean, I can't even, I don't even comprehend like some of the stuff the dude like talks about sometimes, but man, he really knows what he's talking about. Not, not that I would be the one to know, but the players say it, um, you know, other teams notice it. And I mean, how, um, so, I mean, what did you see? I mean, I don't know if you were able to watch any, many of the games like online, but when you were actually, um, you know, live at the, uh, you know, at the games that you were able to attend this season, like, well, what differences did you see between last season and this season besides like the new faces? Well, I just saw that we were definitely a more physical team. Um, everyone wanted to play hard on the puck. Um, everyone looked like they had a new position, a new role. Um, for example, with Cameron dropping back on defense some this year, um, just filling roles wherever they needed to. Um, having some of that continuity on the defense um, with some moving parts, it was always tough to stay uh, with a new line together. Um, having new line mates every week is always tough. But we were able to put together some some never die, never quit attitude, which is always uh, always nice. Which sometimes we would get down early, and we'd always fight back. Um, so that was something that was really encouraging to see and exciting. 
Yes, for sure, for sure. One thing, uh, one game that I wish that you would have been able to be to, like that you were able to make it to, because um, I, I can only imagine how you would have reacted to it, but you already probably know where I'm going with this. Uh, so this season we actually did something different than we've, we've ever done before. We had a $6 ticket night. Um, the owner decided to drop the price down for one game, and we just pushed the crap out of it. Like basically that was like all of our attention went to that game for the longest time like for weeks on end like I was just steady steady trying to push you know whether it be emails phone calls like I was trying to call contact businesses with a lot of employees hey could you get this out to your employees things like that try to find the best ways and man dude I, I wish you would have still been with the organization just to check it out because literally man I was I was in the lobby um handing out programs like we had these these cool programs this year I was just trying to get rid of them because I don't know, you know, we'd rather have them all, you know, go into use, especially for new people that are coming into attendance. And like, it just, it would not stop. Like the constant flow that was coming in, it was, it would just kept coming and coming and coming. And um, we, you know, like later on, I was actually able to, you know, go in the concourse, check out the, the arena, man, it was just packed. Like I, I, people were saying that it's never been that packed before in hockey. I, I wish you could have been able to make it to it though. I saw everything on, on social media. It looked incredible. The atmosphere, I'm sure, was amazing. I would have been so much fun to be a part of. I probably would have pulled my hair out being so stressed. Uh, oh, yeah. All that fun stuff that all happened to fall on me, usually. Um, uh-huh. But I know that would have been a blast. Uh, it was kind of like the what I heard was the atmosphere of the championship game, um, except there was more people there than even our championship game um, during our second season. But that yeah. was sort of the atmosphere I imagined, um, which was a blast being at that that game in that atmosphere. Um, so I can only imagine this game. Yeah. It, it, Zach, like you said, so Zach, um, Zach Smith, he took uh, Colin's spot this year after Colin had to leave. He filled in his role. Zach, I'm telling you right now, man, that dude, like, like you said, he was wanting to pull his hair out, man. Like all the, like all the logistics trying to get the, the anthem singer in, like, you know, the anthem singer was running a little late. We had to get her, accommodate her, you know, get into her spot uh everything so Colin Colin did our game operations he did our community relations and so he planned out every minute from the time you walked in to the time you left like what was going to go on throughout the game so that's what Zach was doing this year and as you can imagine the pressures the pressures high on on a game like that of that magnitude so um you're definitely right about that well uh are you ready to hop into the NFC West uh divisional breakdown Let's do it. Let's talk some football. I know your hockey's not your thing, so let's go to some Yeah, football. yeah, yeah. So let's shoot to something I know a little bit more about. Uh, so how we'll kind of break it down. So I, there was there's one area. So before we, we got um, started recording here, I told Colin, like, my um, – how I kind of uh, organized the division based on who I thought was going to come out uh, versus who I think is going to be at the bottom of the division. And there was one little difference we had, and it was the three and four spot. and um, so I'll, I'll let Colin lead it off because I think it's a little bit of a, a hot-ish take just because um, this team was very hot just a couple years ago. We're actually in the Super Bowl, and now he has them finishing last in the division, and that is uh, the Los Angeles Rams. Could you, uh, could you go into a little detail about why you, uh, why you feel this way this season? To me, the Rams were really good for, really long, for a couple of years. They loaded up on young, cheap talent. And they made that defense the be- one of the best ever. They loaded up on defense and lay- let their offense be all on rookie deals. Um, and they had their chance. They made their run. And then all those deals came back to bite them. Um, with the fact that all their deals, uh, having to pay Goff, having to pay Gurley, having to pay Aaron Donald, all the rest of that defense. Over I three. think they played Cooks when they – or that they paid him when they traded for him. Uh, earlier. Yeah, so paying, paying all those players, they couldn't afford to keep everybody. So yeah. with that being said, they've lost a couple of key players. They've lost Dante Fowler on defense as well as Todd Gurley. Um, losing a couple other keys, it doesn't seem to have that same firepower as before, um, to me at least, that they were planning on having or are supposed to have the last couple of years. Um, with them going down, it just kind of – the cupboard seems a little more bare. Um, and the defense is a little older, of course, but it doesn't mm-hmm. have those same stars as it had before. It's still, it's still have Aaron Donald, yeah. but it's not that same, same atmosphere, that same Rams team that was in the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago. So they, to me, I can see them putting in some good quality wins, 
mm-hmm. but I don't see him overall getting week by week the the contributions needed to uh, to be successful in the in the division um, and especially in the league. Yeah, so I mean, like you said, I know that they still have um, you know Aaron Donald on defense. They also have Jalen Ramsey, so they they still have some big names there. I think really um, the main point of like where their weaknesses on defense is really kind of that linebacker spot. Um, I know they've had a they've had a couple switchovers, so I'll, we'll go into it here real quick. So this uh, this off season, they've actually were they were able to resign Michael Brockers. He's on the defensive line as well. Um, so he's going to, you know, pair up with Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald will take those double teams, and that will leave him with just one guy that, you know, for the most part, he'll win more of those battles than he'll lose, I think. Uh, they also have Ashawn Robinson, former Alabama defensive lineman, coming in. So that's that's pretty good. They were able to re-sign their, um, one of their stud offensive tackles, Andrew Whitworth. They picked up Leonard Floyd, so that's a pretty good linebacker. We know him pretty well, being Georgia fans, right? So not too bad. So we'll have to see how he plays. I don't know, um, you know, with the with some of the losses they have, I'll, I'll go into him here in a second. But he'll he should fit in nicely there. Then going into the draft, they picked up Cam Akers, really good pick there, I think. Uh, running back from Florida State, got to see plenty of him with um, what my roommate in college being a big Florida State fan. Shout out to you, Maloney. Uh, Van Jefferson from Florida, we saw plenty of him when uh, UGA played them in Jacksonville. Uh, he's a pretty decent guy, uh, pretty good player. Terrell Lewis also in the draft, a linebacker from Bama. So. Um, some pretty good pickups there. Anybody that really sticks out to you or anybody that you think will really plug in and play that will make a big difference out of the, all those additions? As far as those draft picks, um, hopefully Cam Akers can carry the, carry the load with everyone. Um, I know losing Todd Gurley doesn't exactly hurt, uh, doesn't exactly make them feel better. Um, with Between Cam Akers, uh, Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson are kind of two of the other guys on this. Yeah. That chart, none of them are proven starters in the league. Mm-hmm. So um, they're going to have to rely on Jared Goff more. Um, they've got Robert Woods and Cooper Cup out there. Um, yeah. and Van Jefferson getting picked, uh, drafted as well. So they've got a couple. I mean, it's just not a star-studded wide receiver core by any means or star-studded running back uh, stable. So the offense, to me, is, might be struggling a little bit. Um, They've got Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. Uh, again, two pretty good tight ends. There are. I mean, they're good. They're just not. No, they're not stars. Um, like mm-hmm. you'll see Kittle and um, some of the other line. Uh, sorry, George Kittle and the uh, other tight ends. Kelsey and like all them is Ertz. Yeah. So I see them doing all right. Hopefully, they can pick up some of the slack on the offense. The defense is still good, but I don't see that offense being able to, uh, mm-hmm. to keep pace with some of the other teams in this division. Yeah, the offense, it's, it really comes down to, I think, the offensive line. And then, like you said, like a lot, lot more uh, pressures on golf this year. And really, two years ago, I would have thought that, you know, okay, they're gonna, they should be fine, you know. But then this past year, it was just a total change. Like, it was like he was slipping back to his, like, you know, rookie, you know, year where it was just that he played a bit sloppy. Uh, he didn't look as sharp. Um, I mean, I know they still got good coaches there with McVay. Um, you know, everybody, you know, this the guy that everybody was raving about there for that, that off season or that whole season, really when the Rams were going off, they went to the Super Bowl against the Patriots and lost there. But, um, I, like you said, I, it really, for all the money that they spent, you know, here recently, this, uh, this offense really isn't what you think it would be. Uh, I know you highlighted Cooper cup. I'm solid guy. Um, a little bit of injury, injury history, but really bounced back this year, Robert Woods, um, they got a couple of decent guys. I mean, Van Jefferson, like I said, they picked him up. They got Josh Reynolds. But really, I think it, like you said, um, offensive line and, and Jared Goff is what it comes down to. And then uh, defense, they should be okay ish. Um, you know, they got those some of those stars, but we'll really have to see how that plays out. Um, I know that some of like their departures really this year, like you said, um, Gurley, you know, leaving, they had to they cut him, uh, probably learned their lesson on that one. I think now the NFL is. That set an example for all these other teams where pretty much um, it's no longer going to be you're, – you're hardly ever going to see these teams that really just have one main guy running back. Now it's going to be a running back by committee, and a lot of people are going to build through the draft because nobody really wants to pay these guys now. I mean, sure, you have your your um, your unicorns. You know, you got Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott, people like that that, you know, can be the main guys. But for the most part, I think it's going to be um, a group effort now. 
They also got rid of uh, Clay Matthews, and then they lost out uh, Dante Fowler. Falcons paid up for him. What do you think about that pickup as a Falcons fan? I hope he can replace some of the uh, production that we're going to lose with Vic Beasley being uh, not picking up his options. Some of the production. Big question. Hopefully he can pick up some uh, some pass rush there. Uh-huh. Um, considering that the Falcons pass rush the last couple of years has been non-existent. Seriously. Um, that's what we need. Um, but I hope he's worth what we're paying for. Um, mm-hmm. If he turns out to be a little, a little bit too slow, I mean, we overpaid it for another another player, but yeah, would hope for the best. Hope he can pick up some of that some of that slack and even improve on some of the stuff that what Vic wasn't bringing. Yeah, I mean, he's got that pedigree, you know, former number three pick overall in the draft that he was, you know, brought in as, and um, you know, got picked by the Jaguars. Dan Quinn really likes his uh, his Florida guys. Uh, for some reason, he really likes to dip into the University of Florida. I know that um, you know Keanu Neal came from there, and now you know they got Fowler coming in and. You know, if you can recall that year, a lot of Falcons fans were really hoping that somehow, you know, Fowler would, you know, end up slipping to them somehow, some way. I remember that. Um, so a couple other departures, though. Uh, they also cut Nickel Roby Coleman, one of their corners. Um, not too huge of a loss, but he was a, I guess, solidish, you know, um, rotation guy. Uh, Corey Littleton, linebacker, that will hurt. And then um, one that kind of goes un- under the radar is uh, Greg Zerline, uh, their kicker. A really good kicker, but now they don't have him. He's with the Cowboys. Another reason I was so high on the Cowboys in that that podcast of the um, the NFC East. So um, overall, so I, I get where you're going with this. I, I do somehow feel that they'll end up third in this division, uh, just because of uh, really I kind of give the edge to like coaching and I guess defense. I know that we are in an offensive um, you know league now, the NFL is, but uh, somehow I think that they'll they'll just slip past the next team we're going to talk about, and that is the Arizona Cardinals. Tell uh, tell everybody why you think that they're going to end up uh, possibly third in this division. At first, I agree with you. I didn't think that the Cardinals were going to be any good. Um, they were going to end up again down at the bottom of the um, division. But after looking at some of their draft picks as well as some of their current roster and who they picked up this season, I think they have a really solid chance to – to definitely make some moves and make some noise this year. Mm-hmm. Um, starting out with the draft, I mean, especially getting uh, Isaiah Simmons, uh, having him fall to eight to pick yeah. up him. He's a all-star. I mean, he's a perennial all-star waiting to happen, if, in my opinion. Um, with being that athletic and that mobile, um, being able to play all over the defense, he's instantly going to start for that team. Oh, yeah. um, I think he's going to be a plug-and-play, um, which instantly makes that, that defense better. Um, and overall, just the other additions that they, they made, um, getting in some defensive line help in the fourth round with Leaky Fotu, Leaky Fotu and Richard Lawrence mm-hmm. um, coming out of two different schools, um, especially Richard Lawrence coming out of LSU, oh, yeah. got that winning pedigree. Um, I think they can take that next step and pick up a little bit on the defense, um, defensive side of the ball. And the offense, they're just going to continue to go. They still have Larry Fitzgerald. Um, the ageless wonder. Mm-hmm, He's yeah. going to be their number, their number one always. They picked up DeAndre Hopkins this offseason as well. Huge pickup. Um, so now they have two stars uh, at wide receiver, and they have Christian Kirk to pair along with that, who I compare as um, one of the better slot receivers, um, fast guy. Definitely. Their offensive line, um, honestly, is solid. They're a little bit older, but they are still pretty solid. Um, I agree. And Kyler Murray is only going to go up, I believe. Um, especially being young, he'll have a chance to develop more and grow. Um, being last year's his rookie year, he'll hopefully be able to grow on that um, performance last year and just become better and better. And Kenyon Drake's no slouch either. He's a he's a decent player. He should be able to uh, to hold down the uh, running back room um, as long as Chase Edmonds. So. I think just the combination of the new offensive weapons with DeAndre Hopkins, as well as Isaiah Simmons um, picking up the rest of that defense, hopefully that gives them a chance to, uh, to grow a little bit and to be able to uh, find a little bit more footing. They're still, I believe, a year or two, a piece or two away, but mm-hmm. they've definitely got some potential um, to grow and to be a better team than they were last season. They, they really could end up shocking uh, people this year, and I think that's kind of, you, you know, you really hit – 
this team on the head, the way you just kind of broke them down and everything. They really didn't lose anybody this year. I really just have it. I told you this before we started the show, but really um, not really any departures because honestly the team just wasn't really all that great last year. And the people that were pretty good, they didn't lose. So, I mean, um, they're not really losing any ground here. If anything, they're making up ground with the, like you said, the pickup of DeAndre Hopkins. That was huge. Um, I think he's going to be a great, great piece for that offense. You know, it's very high powered. Cliff Kingsbury, uh, Kyler Murray, you know, they're going to go crazy. Uh, Kenyon Drake really showed out last year after they picked him up. And he'll be back again this season. It'll be solely pretty much his backfield. Like you said, Chase Edmonds will probably come in, uh, take some third down work maybe. But uh, Drake really looked hot in uh, in that offense. Um, I really did like the Isaiah Simmons pickup. It's like he just fell into their laps, honestly. Like this was a guy that people were talking about, oh, yeah, there's no way this dude doesn't go top five. And somehow he slips to you at eight. It's a no-brainer. You got to take that guy, no matter you know what else, what other needs you have. You got to go best available at that point. And honestly, that that was very much the best available uh, guy there. Uh, another guy that we kind of uh, looked over real quick though, but in the third round, Josh Jones, a guy that was actually talked about, offensive tackle from Houston. He was talked about as a possible like late first round pick. Slipped at him in the third round, and he could be an anchor for that offensive line, you know, moving forward into the future. Um, they can, you know, they can protect Kyler Murray. Um, I like the other guys you talked about on the defensive line, uh, Lee Kapotu and uh, Rashard Lawrence, great pickups. And then seventh round, uh, the running back they picked up from Arizona State, you know, Benjamin. I don't, he's no slouch either. Like you said about Kenyon Drake, I, I kind of like the Ceno Benjamin kid. I think he can add to it. So um, the offense, I'm not worried about at all. These guys are going to put up points. It's really how many, uh, you know, how many are they going to let in? So um, they still got some big pieces there. Pat Pete you know, holding it down um, at the defensive back. Uh, they picked up Devondre Campbell, a guy you may know of, you know, Atlanta Falcons guy, former Minnesota uh, gopher, right, Golden gopher. And um, they had some other uh, free agent pickups, Jordan Phillips at the defensive tackle. Um, they still got Chandler Jones, so that's really good. So still some growing room to go. Say that again. Corey Peters from the Falcons as well. Yeah, Corey Peters. He's a, He was a good pickup, so – um, they definitely have room to grow, but this is a, this is a fun, it's going to be a fun team to watch. Like every year I'll, I'll just, I feel like I always end up doing this, but I end up drawing comparisons to the NBA. Cause you know, I love the NBA and everything too. So this would be like a, um, how I kind of refer to. So like, um, you know how everybody wanted to watch Zion this year with the Pelicans. It's just a fun, hot team. They're young. Uh, this is going to be like my comparison right here. This is somebody that you, it'd be like a lead pass team. You know, you just throw them on, you want to see, um, a fun team play. They're going to be high-scoring, high-powered. So, um, they'll be a fun watch this year, for sure, for sure. And uh, moving on to the next team, so I'll, I'm going to start this one off. I got the Seahawks, uh, finish it off second here in this division. And uh, the Seahawks has always been uh, – you know, they've always been a team that I've kind of respected, especially since they've, you know, had the combo of Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. And really, I wasn't much of a believer um, – when they brought in Schottenheimer as their offensive coordinator, just because, you know, as I've mentioned before, it's a, this is a high powered offensive league now where it's passing a lot, but these guys are definitely contrarians. Just like the next team we're going to talk about too, where they run the ball a ton. They run the ball a ton. And, um, you know, they got the running back by committee going, Um, you know, they got uh, Rashad Penny who uh, tore his ACL and then Chris Carson, the main guy this past year, but he's had a little bit of injury history, but, like I said, as long as you got Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, I think you're pretty good. They've had some pretty good pickups. Uh, Greg Olson now at tight end. They've always been a tight end heavy team, like where they throw to them a lot. So I feel like he's like an instant, um, you know, big time playmaker for them. Uh, they got Bruce Irvin back, familiar name that you remember, you know of. He made his, made some time in Atlanta, followed uh, Dan Quinn. So got him. They've, they've uh, gotten some upgrades on the offensive line, I think. Uh, some very um, high, like like first round, second round, you know, probably four or five years ago picks, like uh, Chance Warmack, uh, former Alabama guy. And then I've always had trouble saying this name, but Cedric Obuhi, I don't know, offensive tackle there. But he, I remember he was a high pick too uh, from A&M, um, really held it down. They got Philip Dorsett, picked him up. So I like those additions there. Anybody sticking out to you there from the free agent additions? I would say, I mean, Bruce, um, sorry, not Bruce, or Bruce Irvin, um, mm-hmm. journeyman, always been 
in and out of uh, lineups. Been on a couple different teams. Um, yeah, was on the Falcons. The name that I heard fo- heard floating around this week is that Russell. Um, sorry, Marshawn Lynch is not ruled out coming back. Yeah. to Seattle uh, again. So Thoughts on that? I, well, well, I mean, do you, do you think this guy still that. has it in him? Like, um, I mean, I know he had that little renaissance with the Raiders. It didn't quite work out how we thought it would, but. Can this guy make a difference on the Seahawks team? I don't know. I don't think I don't think that Chris Carson and Rashad Penny are the long-term answer necessarily. Um, yeah. I don't think that Marshawn Lynch is either. But um, the more weapons, the more you have to worry about. Um, I think only helps Seahawks um, as far as what they got to worry about. Like you said, they definitely have some uh, some quality tight ends, um, and then. Out at receiver, filter set, Tyler Lockett, uh, DJ Met- DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they can uh, give some uh, someone to th- Russell Wilson to throw to. Yeah. Um, Metcalf Wilson- had a huge second second half of the season surge, so uh, I'm a big believer in him, man. Russell Wilson has never had an all-star top five receiver besides the years with Doug Baldwin, um, so he's always found his way to get uh, get it done. Most Many like Brady has three years. Yeah, um, I'm encouraged by that. The offense looks solid. Um, the defense is aging a little bit, but on the yeah. uh, other side of it, they did draft some young players. Um, yeah, go so into that a little bit. Yeah, who, who are they getting the draft? They uh, they started with Jordan Brooks, um, linebacker. So hopefully he can uh, come in and fill some holes. Um, he looked good on the film they showed in the, in the NFL draft. I will say that much. I didn't watch too much of Texas Tech this year, but the, the highlights they showed were pretty nice. Playing Texas Tech, so that means the defenses weren't always great, um, but he yeah. was at least there. Um, going alongside with Bobby Wagner and uh, K.J. Wright, the longtime uh, linebackers for the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully the, um, the D-line, I got Darrell Taylor, uh, defensive end from Tennessee in the second round. Yeah. Um, so right now, Clowney is still unsigned. So, um, yeah, and, and from what I've recent stuff I've heard, he's probably it's not likely that he's going to go back to the Seahawks. Apparently, he's had higher offers uh, from other teams, so probably not going to be back. So, replacing a, a high using a high pick on a defensive end um, definitely would be something that helps either mitigate that loss or compliment Clowney if he does get re-signed. Yeah, um, they also added Damian Lewis, a guard from LSU. Colby Parkinson, a tight end from Stanford. DJ Dallas, the uh, running back from Miami. I like him a lot. He's a he's a Georgia grown guy. Glenn Academy here in Georgia. He, he he's a he's a good one. Hopefully they can uh fill they filled in a couple more um, skill positions as well as the defensive end Alton Robinson from Syracuse. Uh, so hopefully those new additions can uh can help bring some youth into this team that was aging a little bit on defense. Um, and offense, they still are solid. They still are always in the mix, um, especially with Pete Carroll. He's a great coach. So he's always going to coach him up. Um, having that 11th man, uh, the 12th man out in Seattle yeah. definitely helps a lot as well. Um, it may not be as, as prevalent this year with uh, not having fans for at least the start of the season, most likely. Ooh. Um, but being out in Seattle just changes everything a little bit. So mm-hmm. um, that home field advantage – Pete Carroll, the whole combination is why I have him um, pretty much being second in, uh, in this division and definitely playing for a, a wild card spot with the new expanded playoffs. Um, hopefully getting one of those. Um, I could see him honestly going on 11 and, 11 and 5, 10 and 6, um, securing one of those playoff spots. So Yeah, you can, you can never sleep on the Seahawks. They always find a way to hang in those games and – Whenever Russell Wilson, you have a guy like him at quarterback, anything can happen. So they, they've always got a shot in, in any of these games. Um, I, th- I think you did a good job breaking that down. Uh, I know they were able to re-sign, re-sign Jerron Reed, defense tackle. They've uh, recently, you know, a couple years back, they picked up from Alabama. So that was a good, um, you know, re-sign on their part. David Moore, another wide receiver um, that in games uh, where other wide receivers have been down, he's, he's shown up pretty well. Uh, tight end that broke out for them, Jacob Hollister, he'll be coming back too. So that's good. And they really didn't lose much. Um, they lost George Fant and Jermaine Afidi, uh, two offensive tackles. I know the offensive line's always been something that they've uh, struggled at, but it looks like you, you know, it looks like they'll have a decent offensive line though this year, and especially people that can, um, you know, run block real well. So that's uh, that's good. They've lost a couple of defensive pieces, Al, Al Woods and Quentin Jefferson, and 
yeah, and then they, they lost DJ Fluke, great offensive guard. So not too bad um, of losses there. That would suck, though. If um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what this is going to play out. I feel like every day we're hearing more information about are fans going to be in attendance, are they not? Because, you, you know, you hear in college football they're talking about SEC teams are like, yeah, we expect fans in the stands. We're expecting to play football. And then you have other, you know, schools that are saying the same thing. I know college football and NFL are different, obviously, but um, so you're you're legit expecting no fans in the stands at least to begin NFL season, right? I would think at least to begin the season. I don't see how they can go from zero to fans in the stands um, like that, unless there is another somewhere that. Well, Miami uh, Dolphins has been one team that's definitely talked about it um, and come out with their plan for social distancing with it only being around 15,000 people out in that stadium. They don't have too much of a problem with social distancing at that stadium, <laughs> especially here recently, right? Cracking on their attendance a little bit. Yeah, but I don't see it being where full out you can go in right away, at least um, with uh, anything as far as a full stadium by any means. Mm -hmm. um, until there is either a mass herd immunity or a vaccine available. Um, but that is something that everyone's talking about. And if anyone says they know the answer, they're lying because yeah. I don't think anybody has a clue actually what's going to, what's going to end up happening. Things changing every day. So it's, it's up in the air at this point to kind of see, wait, wait and see what's going to happen. And hopefully that we get some news and some news is uh, that news is good news. And it ends up being able to have, people back in the stands uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, well, the momentum's definitely in their favor. I mean, at least for sports to come back. I know that, um, you know, MLB, uh, there's there's plans, like, coming into play where, you know, hopefully they'll be back soon. UFC just started back. NASCAR's about to start back up here in a little bit. You know, they're all kind of different, but, you know, it's just good to see sports back. And, um, you know, as of yesterday, there was news that broke out that there's optimism out there that the NBA is going to be back. So, um, hopefully this all just starts – you know, rolling down the hill, picking up and picking up steam and, you know, we get to a point, but, but yeah, well, and, and like you said, whenever they do have fans in the stands of Seattle, it's always a tough, that to me, that's the toughest place to play. I mean, not, not that I've ever, you know, played there or anything, but from everything I see, they get super loud. The way that stadium's made, uh, I know they talk about like the, the weather and everything. It's always, it always affects the game somehow, some way uh, there in Seattle. But uh, that leads us to, our number one team in this division, and that is the San Francisco 49ers. Surprise, surprise. A uh, team that made it to the Super Bowl this past year. You probably definitely, um, you know, at least watched them once or twice this year. As I said, they're more of those contrarian – they have, a, like, more of a contrarian offense where um, they're all about, you know, the run game. They established that run game from from day one – or from play the first play of the game. You know, they're, they're trying to just grit and grind because they have that defense they can back it up. So, um it, they did shock me a little bit this offseason because uh, we'll just start off with their departures a little bit. Um, uh, they traded DeForest Buckner and got a first-round pick that they then used to get Javon Kinlaw. So they pretty much just traded um, a young defensive tackle that they were going to have to pay a ton of money uh, to in exchange for a defensive tackle that they can get for at significantly cheaper. So that was a good pickup. They lost Emmanuel Sanders at wide receiver, which I think that will be a pretty big hit because that leaves them with just Debo Samuel. Or, or we thought it was just going to lead them with just Debo Semi, but they actually addressed that in the draft a little bit. Um, and besides that, they lost their um, their legend at offensive tackle, Joe Staley, but they ended up replacing him with a trade for Trent Williams, so that's good. And uh, they traded away Marquise Goodwin, and uh, they didn't re-sign Levine Torlolo. So not too bad. Uh, do you want to break down the draft that the 49ers had this season or this offseason? Yeah, like you said, um, they ended up trading up um, and picking up a wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk, um, with that 20th, uh, with that pick in the, uh, their second pick in the first round. Yeah. They traded back up to get him out to me and, uh, also adding Javon, Javon Kinlaw, um, defensive tackle from South Carolina. He's a beast. They both, they did well. Um, coming, I mean, coming up just short in the Super Bowl and having two first round picks, uh, one of them being in the top half of the draft, um, they only bolstered a, a team that was already pretty solid. Um, and after you just went over the departures, they didn't really lose too, too much. Um, mm -hmm. They lost to Forrest Buckner, but they just up, they, uh, just replaced him with a younger, cheaper alternative. 
Yeah. Um, with Javon Kinlaw being one of those um, disruptors that definitely should be able to uh, come in and make a splash on the defensive line. Um, oh, yeah. The wide receiver position, like you said, um, they did grab another wide receiver in the first round. Hopefully – what do you what do you think about that guy, uh, Brandon Ayuk? I mean, I, I didn't get to watch too much of him. People said had some great things to say about him, though. I mean, I heard he he can make plays as long as he's consistent. Um, mm-hmm. He's quick, he's shifty. Hopefully, they'd be able to uh, to get him in the right positions and get him in in routes and get him in concepts that are, uh, I guess, uh, favorable for him. So hopefully yeah. that. Helped them out. Um, they didn't really add too much with those two first round picks. They had to give up a lot. Um, they ended up adding Charlie Warner. Um, like that. Um, mm-hmm. Glad to see he got drafted. Um, another offensive tackle from West Virginia, Colton McKibbitts uh, in the fifth round, and Jawan Jennings, a uh, receiver from Tennessee in the seventh see, round. He got kind of slept on because watching him this season at Tennessee, he was he he was awesome. He did really good. I don't know why he ended up slipping as far as he did in this draft, but. You know, maybe he has a shot to make an, make an impact here um, with the 49ers and all. He's definitely going to have the opportunity, like you said, with their offensive line being so – or their um, wide receiver core being so thin. Um, yeah. I think it's something that he can definitely uh, – he'll make the team, I sure hope, and uh, get, some, uh, get some opportunities to show what he can do. Yes. With those different positions. The offensive line, like you said, replaced Trent Williams and Joe Staley, um, longtime tackle with Trent Williams. So mm-hmm. just refreshing, basically. The rest of their offensive line is solid, all veterans um, yes. that have been there forever, um, that know each other. Um, Mike McGlinchey is their newest addition, um, being a draft pick two years ago, but everyone else is, yeah. is relatively um, sturdy and stable, especially having George Kittle tied in. Just as good of a run blocker as he is a passer, uh, pass catcher, so – Mm-hmm. With Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert, the two-headed monster um, at running back. Kyle Juszczyk still there at fullback. Um, Jimmy G hopefully can take us another step, um, make him that player that they thought he was going to be when they traded for him. Yeah. Um, so with all those positions filled, I mean, not losing too, too much, adding some help. Nick Bosa still being there. Um, so they got a great. They got a great defense. Honestly, I really love their defense a lot. With it, they got Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas. I mean, think about it. For like three straight years, I feel like they spent like a first round pick on a defensive lineman, and they they kept that trend up. You know, again this year. So I think I'm pretty sure all four picks they have, um, all four defensive linemen they have are all first round picks. With Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas, Javon Kenlaw, and Nick Bosa. That is ridiculous. That is scary. So uh, I think that's awesome. They got Quan Alexander at linebacker. Um, he's always been a pretty good guy. Uh, Richard Sherman just goes without saying with him. Uh, Jaquiski Tart's a great safety as well as Jimmy Ward. And I don't know, man, I really like that defense a lot. As long as they can continue to run that ground and pound where they can eat clock up on offense, give the defense a break and then let them just come in and wreak havoc. It's, it's going to work to perfection, honestly. And one other guy that I forgot, I got to give him a shout out, I guess, because you know, uh, Georgia Southern alum, uh, Matt Breida, he, he, they did end up trading him to Miami. So I had to mention that I didn't because, I mean, they got running backs on running backs. You mentioned Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman. They also have Jeff Wilson, um, who he made an impact whenever he had to play a little bit last year. And then also Jarrett McKinnon, another Georgia Southern guy. Um, hasn't quite panned out there in, in uh, San Francisco, but definitely capable of it. Um, how we've seen him play in Minnesota and everything, he he made a ton of money whenever they picked him up in free agency. So, um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I really like them. Uh, what really stands out to you that what makes you think that they're going to dominate this division? I think the fact that basically they're just going to run it back last, what they did last year. Um, another year of experience, adding some key pieces in the draft, um, not losing too much. Like you said, I think it's no reason that they can't do what they did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's a bit of a new system um, with as far as like, uh, I mean, with Kyle Shanahan running everything over there, uh, hopefully people don't pick up on what he's doing and how to, and learn how to stop it. Um, But I think that he's smart enough that he can design stuff that will continue to be successful. um, And that gives them a a great chance to, uh, to repeat um, their success from last season and definitely go into the opportunity, go into the season with the opportunity to, uh, to be one of the top, top teams in the NFC. 
um, potentially get that that buy that everyone's craving. Um, yeah. This- uh, yeah, I know. I really I agree. I mean, the, the the coaching staff is still there, so I mean, that's that's great. I mean, hopefully he's learned his lessons in the past because. As a Falcon fan, you can recall the twenty-eight to three and him him choosing not to run the ball much. I think he's learned his lesson a bit on that. Which, uh, by the way, we got to mention that they've been playing that on TV way too much. I feel like this, but <laughs> so uh, I know the Falcons fans really, really hate to see that. But, but yeah, I, I think that um, you know this year can maybe be the year they get over the hump and finally pull it out. But um, I'm not projecting that. I myself think it's going to be a repeat of last year. I think that uh, Kansas City is going to pull that out, which is. And I'll go into that whenever I get into their division, but it's it's just looking like it, man. I don't know. It just looks like that offense is unstoppable. So, um, but yeah, so that that covers it pretty well. Any other thoughts you had though about um about this? I know that in free agency they picked up Travis Benjamin at wide receiver. He's okay. It's more of a like a downfield, you know, stretch the field um, kind of wide receiver. They picked up Tom Compton as a um, offensive line piece and. Um, really, uh, and then I, oh yeah, they brought back Jason Barrett, um, a former corner of the, uh, the Chargers. So, uh, I feel like he's pretty good. He's a good compliment to probably Richard Sherman on the other end. So I think they can definitely, um, do some good things, but yeah. Any other thoughts on the division though, before we move on? I think it's going to be a competitive division. I don't think it'll be the top division in the, uh, NFC. I think that belongs to the NFC South. Oh yeah. Uh, but I do think that it will be probably the second most competitive division as far as all the teams being good. There's no bad team in that division. Um, I think that they have a chance to make some noise um, and definitely show some people that they know what they're doing um, out West and that hopefully the Rams can, uh, can bring in their new stadium. Um, all shiny bells, shiny new bells and whistles. Seriously. Uh, celebrate that this year. But that's uh, what I think about the NFC West as far as, um, what's going to come up this year. Yeah, I, I can most certainly agree with it, man. I think it'll be a fun one to watch. Um, all four of these teams really have some fun offenses to watch, even though, like, two of them really run the ball heavy. I mean, still, like, it's it, they're just fun to watch, man. Uh, great overall teams. So, uh, yeah, moving on, though. So, uh, before um, before we were – like, when we were playing out this podcast and everything, so I have um, – I had a podcast here Monday with my, my friend Jordan. He's a big UFC guy. So um, we uh, we talked about pretty much the recap of UFC this past week and everything and did that. And I wasn't able to really talk about the last dance with him too much. And so I asked Colin, um, you know, would you be able to talk about this with us? If Or would you be able to talk about it a little bit if, you know, I asked you to and he said that he's been watching So – Without further ado, let's get into the last dance. Uh, this past two episodes, this um, this past weekend, what would you think of it? I think that not living through seeing that uh, stuff live, obviously, being born um, in Jordan's prime, uh, I was only three when he won his six championships. So mm-hmm. not living through that, not remembering that, um, just coming back and watching what he's done and what he's been through, um, how he did everything. Um, Going to play baseball in the middle of this was incredible that he can just quit after winning three championships, decides he wants to do something else and go play baseball um, was wild to me. And us working in minor league sports, just imagine if someone like that comes in and plays for our – It'd be um, a godsend. Oh, my God. Would be, just imagine how much your life would be changed as the ticketing director. Seriously, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to do nothing. It would just, they would just sell themselves. Michael Jordan's coming and playing like, shoot, even if the guy played hockey, you know what I'm saying? Like people would be packing out, you know, just to watch him play hockey. Not that that would ever happen, but he could have picked any sport and people would have packed out a stadium just to come see him play that. So now that was cool. I did think, so I'm going to have to like, cause I know the whole agenda of this show is to really push him as the number one guy. I've been loving it, though. I've been loving it. But I think that everybody's wearing these rose-colored glasses where all we look at is all the good stuff and all this kind of stuff. Let's not let's not sit here and pretend like this guy was actually really good at baseball. You know what I'm saying? Like, they were talking about – Terry Francona said – like, he legit said, I think he could have played in the MLB. No way. No chance he touches the MLB. And I'm not even a big MLB guy. But, dude, there's no chance. I mean, you got to believe – you got to believe the same thing, right? I mean, if you, at some point, if you're that good of a gifted natural athlete, you can be 
to some extent good at every sport you play. Uh-huh. Kyler Murray got drafted to the MLB. There's been tons of football players who have gone and had MLB careers. Bo Jackson played in the MLB. There's been it's been done before. Two sport athletes do happen. So being that much of a natural athlete, I mean I know, but they they clearly had roles though. Bo was the big strong guy that could hit the piss out of the ball and get home runs like they were nothing. Um, Deion Sanders was a good like fielder. I mean, the dude wasn't like a great hitter by, by any means, but he could steal bases. No, and he and could play the, the field well. One of the guys um, in the in the documentary said he goes, "I don't think he would have been the all star or whatever, but he could have been a role player. He could play outfield. He's fast. He's got that coverage and play outfield. He's got a good arm. He can steal bases. He can run." Like, that's what he was going to be made for. He wasn't going to be a – I don't know. Maybe I didn't get to see too much. I mean, I could say maybe if he was, like, really fast. I mean, I don't know how Jordan, how fast Jordan was, but let's, let's just compare him to a guy, local guy from here in Georgia, um, actually from Jones County, Terrence Gore. So he played on the Royals. They strictly used this guy in the postseason just to steal bases. Now, I get that. Well, but Billy Hampton does now. Yeah, yeah. So, like, stuff like that. Do you think Jordan was that fast where he could be like a guy like that? I mean, that's that's the only way I could see him really breaking the MLB. No, I mean, I think it would have taken some time for him to get back – I mean, to get to that level. I mean, like he said, he didn't play for 15 years, um, baseball in 15 years. And the fact that he picked up – once he figured out how to hit a curveball, he picked it up um, just in that little time. Yeah. Uh, and just him being as competitive as he was with – he had to win at everything. Every time he would play, every time he would do anything, it had to be a competition with him. I was listening to another podcast that had David Falk as an interview uh, as yeah, a guest. Man, don't listen to a thing that man says. Okay. Talk about he's going to average 50 a game and crap like that today. I was talking about just the competitiveness. Okay, I'll, I'll agree with that. But... They, went on a, they went on a car ride from, um, from the hotel to the arena. And he goes – or to a golf tournament. They were running on the way to a golf tournament. Uh-huh. He goes, I bet you I see more than 10 pairs of Jordans from the hotel to the golf tournament. Um, it is the – the golf tournament ended up being the Air Jordan brand classic. It was his golf tournament. So, of course, there was going to be more than 10 yeah. pairs of Jordans. He knew that going in. It was just that competitive nature that he had to bet somebody. It was no money. It was no nothing. He just wanted yeah. to have that competition aspect and try to count as many as he could. Um, to me, it was just another aspect of his – I mean, the gambling, the, all that sort of stuff, just the competition aspect that he wasn't doing it because he was addicted. He just loved the competition. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I agree with that. Competing against himself, against others. Um, and that was something that I was really cool, really good takeaway from the, uh, from the episodes this week was the baseball and all that stuff. Um, yeah, the baseball was like a big part of it. That, I mean, it, it was cool looking into it. I, I mean, I really felt for the guy when his, when his dad was killed and everything. That was really – you know, I was really messed up. I mean, his dad looked like he was like a huge, you know, he's definitely a huge part of his life, you know, and, um, you know, it was just, it was sad because you could see him in like all the old pictures of when he won championships and everything. Like he was right there by his side and everything and seeing him go away. And it was kind of like a tribute to him going and playing baseball a little bit. Plus all the media stuff was kind of pushing him away and everything. So definitely understand. But, you know, it's, it's my job to not just sit here and act like everything was just perfect though. So, Another thing uh, uh, that I kind of had a little bit of um, – it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way was – so they talked about the Supersonic Series. You remember it was um, it was 96 after they, you know, um, they held the record. You know, they just broke the record for the most wins in a season. Uh, arguably, you know, before the Warriors broke that record, the best team of all time, right? And they went on to play the Supersonics. Um, they go on to tell us that, you know, because so the Bulls jump up 3-0 in the, in the series. Only got to win one more game. And with the fourth game coming up, Supersonics decided to throw Gary Payton, like, you know, the glove, you know, defensive player of the year, all this kind of stuff. Like this this man, obviously, he would have been the logical choice to guard this guy. They decided to throw him on Michael Jordan, though. And if you really look at stats, Michael, Michael dropped a lot in his, like, field goal percentage. His three-point percentage, I know, dropped from 50% from the three to 11%. And his, uh, he dropped nearly 10 points a game after that. Um, I know it was two games that Gary Payton played on him as opposed to three without. So I'll take that into consideration. But what I'm saying is Jordan, what, what really kind of ticked me off, Jordan actually sat there and laughed at the idea that Gary 
um, had an impact on his game, that he didn't really do anything to him and everything. I was just like, that's super disrespectful. Because this guy, like, he legit, like, Gary came right at this man, uh, obviously affected him. Uh, you know, he played poor, like, more poorly than he did, you know, in the games prior when he wasn't. And Jordan had the had the audacity to sit there and laugh at it, though. So, I mean, what did you think about that? I mean, did that kind of rub you the wrong way, too? Or, like, what, what am I? Am I crazy? I think your uh, your bias of LeBron fandom, uh-huh. but I don't. I mean, to me, it was it was another aspect of him just being competitive. I don't think that he in his head could say that that one person affected how I played. It was me. It was Jesus. his internal that he thought he had a bad game. It wasn't something outside that that caused him to have that bad game. And even if they so, if you do your best, you shut down Jordan. He still had a cast around him that was able to, to carry them. Obviously, they were able to get through yeah. and win. Um, so it wasn't – I mean, it might have slowed him down. It might have affected his stats, but the rest of the team picked it up. Yeah, Scotty's he he's a, he's a great Robin to Jordan's Batman. That's for sure. And it was just funny to see um, – I believe – I don't know if it was seven or eight when they talked about his grudges um, where, he yeah. tried, where he tried to go against three different people. Um, and they just all – they all did him wrong in some way. Mm-hmm. And so he just felt slighted by them in a little bit. And so he decided to just go off. Um, and just yeah, freaking be, George Carl not talking to him at a dinner. That, that like – I did like that. that. Some of the stuff is really cool to me. Like, I, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't, I don't hate the guy or anything. It's just some of this stuff, I, I feel like people pretend that this guy did no wrong, you know, like there was no weakness, all this kind of stuff. I mean, clear. I mean, nobody's perfect, man. I do you think he was a – I mean, I don't think he was a mean person. No. I think he was a very hard teammate to play with. Uh, like you saw with the Steve Kerr where he basically fought Steve Kerr. Mm-hmm. Um, and Steve Kerr, I mean, he stood back up down, himself. I was in the wrong. Um, but it was something that he's going to command and he's going to demand the best out of you. And yeah. he's going to get the best out of his teammates, um, which to some rub in, some rub, rub people some the wrong way. Um, yeah. Just because of how mean he was about it or how direct he was about it. He didn't hide his emotions. He didn't run around anything. He told you what he felt about you. And uh, that was I mean, the, so, sometimes, I mean, what, what do you think about I mean, do you think that's, um, you know, the best way to go about it? I mean, I'm, I'm, it's, it's weird to me because, all right, so I get both, both sides of it. I think there is a point where um, you can be too hard on somebody to where you kind of like push them to, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like where they, they can't even do good because of how you push them. But then there's also those that really that feeds them, you know, that really gives them that mentality to actually push through and everything. Um, You know, I just actually watched a movie not that long ago. And if you haven't checked it out, you need, you gotta check it out. It's called whiplash. And basically it's, it's this. um, So it's like this, um, he's a composer and like he, he has his own band. Uh, it's a teacher at this like um, music school, but he's known for really pushing his students hard. Like he'll cuss them out, throw stuff at him and everything because he like demands the best. And ultimately at the end of the movie, you kind of see why his motives were his motives. He pushed his students like literally to the brink. And I, I don't know, I kind of see some similarities um, with, uh, yeah, you got to add it to it, but there's definitely some similarities where, um, where he uh, like that you, you kind of see some, like some similarities between the two of them where they're like really pushing their people. It can kind of come off sometimes as being too hard, but really at the end of the day, he just wanted the best out of his teammates. So I definitely see that. But, um, but yes, you know, how much is too much? Yeah, that's the, that's the question is you have to know what's going to get people motivated. I mean, that's being a leader in anything that's being a manager, being anything. You've got to know what is too much for some people. Some people have different styles that they're going to respond to. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, if they get screamed at, shut down. Some people take it and, and want to prove you wrong. Some people want to fight you. It just kind of changes everything um, for different people. And that's something that you've got to figure out a balance with. Um, but Jordan didn't have – I mean, that, well, I guess that one knock about him is he didn't have that balance. He only had that one, one zone and that one – go speed um, yeah. necessarily and so that was something that he something that rubbed, rubbed people the wrong way and and made him an enemy in some people's eyes that he was too brash and too aggressive and too much mm-hmm. to some people 
It um I mean, I, overall, I've really enjoyed this documentary. It's been something that, you know, it keeps all of us sports fans kind of sane. It gives us something to watch, right? So I, I've been liking it. Um, so, yeah, I, it's it's been awesome. But, all right, so here, we're about to uh, to actually end the show here in a second. But before we go, uh, we always give some type of recommendation, whether it be like a TV series or a movie uh, that you've, you know, maybe watched recently or one that you just really enjoyed that you would, um, you know, give out there to everybody that's listening in. So, like um, – do you have like a, a series or a movie that you uh, would like to recommend? So I've got two. I know you guys talked about this before, but I'm on Blacklist also. Oh, okay. I'm season seven right now, so I'm pretty far. Oh, God. Uh, um, yeah, I'm pretty much caught up um, with everything that's happened. Um, it's a great show. I know you said you were going to start start it. Um, and it's definitely worth, worth, the, uh, worth the effort to get into and get involved with. Um, the other one that I was uh, that I just finished up is uh, Justified. Um, it's a kind of Western, um, Wild West, kind of Wild West. Um, he's in Kentucky. He's a U.S. Marshal, and uh, he goes around trying to find um, kind of about the history of. He's from the he's from Harlan County um, in Kentucky, mm-hmm. and I find out about the history of his family. His family's all from there. Um, he ends up trying. It's just a big story about trying to catch. Um, Trying to catch the bad guys, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it, I've, I've seen commercials for it. You know, it was like it was on FX, right? It was like an FX original. Yeah, it was FX. It's on Hulu now. Yeah, that that it always looked entertaining. Looked like something like so. I'll probably have to check that out at some point. It's uh, long. And six seasons. It gets a little slow at points. It's just yeah. a lot of murder and blood and killing people. So if you like that kind of stuff, um, kills a lot of people. Check Everyone it out. People, drugs and yeah. For sure. Well, um, I actually just started a series uh, last night. I was over at the girlfriend's house. We were all um, like, well, I don't know. We found shows to watch. So like one of the ones we recently watched was Outer Banks. So we we finished that and we started um, last night. We started uh, what's it called? All American. And man, it's pretty good. I like it. So I, I was always a you know fan of Friday Night Lights. I like that show. But all American. I've heard. I've heard about it. Just never had really given it a shot. But so far, so good. I mean, we watched three episodes last night. It was, it was entertaining, um, especially for people that like sports. You know, it has a lot of stuff like that in it. Like, you know, a lot of, a lot of football related stuff. So um, and the so far the, um, the characters and everything, the storyline is really fun. So it, it keeps you entertained. That's for sure. I've heard about it. I've, I hadn't watched it yet. It's on my list as well. But I. Heard it's just like a Friday Night Lights type movie. Um, oh, yeah. Have you been watching any of the uh, the reality TV shows that Netflix has been putting out? Um, I watched a couple of episodes of The Circle with uh, with Brittany. That was uh, that was entertaining. I uh, watched a little bit of that. I don't I don't know um, how many of the like I you know I don't know how much I could have kept on going with it, but I watched a couple of them. It was it was. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, it's something that you could just throw on when you're bored and look at it. But why? Do you have any that you like? No, my wife's been watching The the Circle and Too Hot to Handle and all those. Shows. I haven't seen The Too Hot to Handle. Um, it's about 20 minutes and it looked so – it didn't look for me. But yeah. What was that yeah, one? She's been watching all those um, during the day some now. So that was just – what was that one that everybody was going crazy about where people were – it was kind of like Bachelor in a way. Um, I don't, I can't remember what it, like love at first sight or something like that. I don't, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. I think that was another one of those. What's it called? I think it was love at first sight. Okay. Something, something along those lines. Blind, blind lover. I don't know. Something yeah. Blind. Yeah. Love is blind. That's it. Good job. Yeah. Love is blind. That was like a big one. Everybody was talking about for a while, but no, I never, never really, never really looked into it. I didn't really, no, didn't intrigue me. Oh yeah, but I watched the Tiger King thing. I think everybody and their mama watched that. But. Yeah, we watched Tiger King. Yeah, uh-huh. they put a new episode out of the uh, the aftermath and did some interviews with all people after the show. And- Apparently, they're going to be making like a remake thing with uh, Nicolas Cage as uh, as the Tiger King guy. So that'll be oh, interesting. No, no, no. Yeah, so I have to see how that one goes. But all right, well let's let's go ahead and end this. Do you have any uh, last things you want to um, shout out before you go? Any Twitter handles, Instagram handles, that kind of stuff? Or not really big on any of that? I mean, I have them. I don't I don't post a whole lot. Um, uh-huh. I use it more as a follow along. I follow people and see what's happening in the world. I don't really tweet. I'll do yeah. regional retweet and everything like that. But I just follow along um, with everything. But my Instagram is cmitch underscore eight oh four. Um, if anyone wants to follow me, it's mostly just 
pictures of me. Uh, not that my exciting. Dog. Sorry. Yeah, me and my dog. Shadow. Uh, we just bought a new house, so trying to get all Congratulations, the man. But uh, yeah, that's my my Instagram. My Twitter is cmitch191 or Colin Mitchell one nine six. I don't even know my my Twitter. Sorry. Hey, I'll tag you. I'll, I got, I'm pretty sure I have you on there, so I'll tag you whenever I post. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't tweet too much. Uh, I just more follow along. But there you go. That's what I pretty much do too. But any any last things you want to leave the people with? You good? No, I appreciate you having me on. I uh, appreciate you uh, putting up with me and walking <laughs> through this. Uh, hopefully, it was good and everyone enjoys um, hearing a little bit more about the NFC West and the uh, Jordan documentary. And uh, hopefully we can do something else if you yeah. want to eventually talk some, uh, talk some hockey and yeah, well, learn, learn about the NHL and then everything Sure. Like that. We'll do We're something at some point. Feet, so. Yeah, we'll do something. We'll talk about Mighty Ducks, too. How about that? That's a, <laughs> I love Mighty Ducks, too. But, yeah. Well, all right, guys. Well, thank you for listening in. Uh, be sure to uh, like and subscribe to us. Uh, we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, the TGL Podcast. And you can uh, feel free to actually uh, follow us on Twitter, too. It's at the TGL Podcast. So. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Be sure to share it with your friends and everything and have a good one.